My name is Kelly Williams, and I will be reading our scripture today. Our scripture reading today is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9, and verses 18 through 23. And please remain standing. <laughs> Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, <clears throat> the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Kelly. I'm so glad to be back to open the word to you today, but I'm also so grateful the last two weeks we had uh, the Pastor's Jeff, or is it Pastor Jeff's, uh, preaching to us so wonderfully, and I, I thank God for uh, my wonderful colleagues. Now, now today, the text that Kelly read to us from Matthew 13 is the first of three uh, stories about seeds uh, that Jesus tells, and he uses seeds to illustrate how it is that God works in your life and in my life and in our church and in the, in the world. And I just want you to know up front that these stories about seeds that Jesus tells, they have been incredibly influential in my own life. How I think about what God is doing in me and how I long to have God further his work in me and, and how I think about being a pastor and what I should be doing. Jesus essentially says I should be planting seeds, seeds of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to start with this reminder, um, Jesus did not come into this world only to forgive your sins. 
Anybody agree with that? Now, he did come to do that. And if that's all that Jesus came to do, that would still be wonderful. <laughs> I mean, the very thought that the Son of God would just turn to you and me and say, I love you so much that I'm going to die to take the punishment for your sins so that you can be forgiven. I mean, that's, that's good news, don't you think? But, but the problem is the future wouldn't be all that great. Because if you and I were sort of forgiven of our sins and sort of left where we are, still as susceptible to temptation and as still weak in terms of our decision-making to follow God, I'll tell you, the future would not be good for us. You know that uh, when the temptations come, it wouldn't take very long for us to just fall back to where we were. Anybody else agree with me? We need more than just to be forgiven of our sins. So this is what Jesus would say in places like Mark 1, 14 to 15, and actually in our text today too. Jesus did not come into this world only to offer forgiveness of your sins. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God into your life. And I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. He brings the power of God. When you bring him into your life, the very power of God comes into your life. It's called the kingdom of God, the reign of God, to be able to begin to set us free from the other powers that are there, even like those temptations that so many times we continue to give into. And, and he promises that what he does in our lives as followers of Jesus, he is ready and able and willing to do in the lives of any human being in the entire world who will come to hear the gospel of Jesus and respond to it until when Jesus says, when I'm done, there is going to be a people of God made up of every tribe and every language and every nation. And here's the big point. Each one of us will be complete in Christ. And not just that, we're going to be living in a world that no longer has these many things that we prayed about earlier today with all the injustices and homelessness and, and all the refugee problems. We're going to live in a world that has been made new with everything being made right. So there's, that's the promise of God. Now, when I talk about that and when you read things like these three seed parables, you, you'll come across what are often churchy kinds of words that many people in the world don't understand at all. And there are two of them that I think are really important for us to nail down what they're about. One is this word gospel, and the other one is this word the kingdom of God. What are those things? So if forgiveness of sins is just the beginning of what God is going to do, and the ending is that you and I are going to have our lives completely remade, I mean a complete makeover <laughs> until everything is right, and not just us, but everything in the world. Then, then what that is, that whole work that God promises, all the evils and all the problems in your life and in this world, they're going to be gone, that is the gospel. Uh, the gospel is really a word that just means good news. And so it's a message to us, a good news message, and it's God's good news message. And here, here's what the heart of it is, that the God who made this world, the perfect holy God, loves you and loves this world so much that he sent, he gave his one and only son. That I'll tell you, the good news is that whoever, regardless of your background, regardless of anything, whoever believes in him, we don't have to perish anymore. But we're going to be able to be rescued from all the things in this world. Amen? 
And we, we don't have to be perishing people in a perishing world anymore. We will have eternal life. And, and that eternal life is not going to be completed until we are remade and until this world is made completely right. That is the good news. Then if that's the gospel, that good news, what is this kingdom of God that Jesus always talked about and told stories about? Well, that kingdom of God is the power of God to accomplish that good news, actually to enter into your life when you believe in Jesus and receive King Jesus as your Savior. Here's what happens when you believe in him. He enters into your life. We even talk about it as receiving Jesus. He gives his Holy Spirit to you and me so that the power of God, the reign of God, the kingdom of God comes within us. And then, being within us, he sends us out into this world as his representatives, empowered by his Holy Spirit, and begins to do that same kind of work until others can also experience the good news and the kingdom of God, the power of God, be set free from sin, be remade. Does this make sense to you? So that in one sense, the gospel and the kingdom of God, they're very personal and individual things. It's God's promise to you and me that, that he's going to forgive us and begin to remake us until we're complete. But it's not just an individual thing. He, when you receive Jesus into your life, what he does is he makes you a part of, of this family of God. I've often pointed that out. You don't have a choice in this. I'm your brother if you're a follower of Jesus. But he promises to do in, in, in others what he will do in you. So we are brought together into a local church like Lake Avenue Church where not one of us is yet complete. We're still in process of being remade. Uh, do you remember what Pastor Denny Balesi used to say to us here at Lake Avenue Church? He says, Lake Avenue Church, you're a piece of work. Remember, he used to say that, and he was right, but we're God's piece of work together, and together we get to be remade until we're complete in Christ. But he doesn't end just with the church, and in the very first message in this series of Jesus Christ storytellers, Jesus pointed out in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, that he turns us into his salt and light and sends us out into this world that is deteriorating to make a difference, to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and also to show the love and justice and compassion that Jesus has shown to us until eventually people from every tribe, language, and nation believe, and eventually we'll get to be in this world where uh, we'll be able to dwell with God, everything is made right, and each one is complete in Christ. Now, there is the good news that's going to be brought about by the kingdom of God. Now, here's the question that we, these seed parables have to deal with. How do we get from we are, where we are now to where God promises we will be? And what Jesus essentially says in, in so many of these stories, and he tells a lot of them, some of them in Matthew, some in Luke, some in Mark, how will God do it? And Jesus keeps saying, it's like a seed. So, so this is a big task, right? I mean, making everything in the world right, making you and me right, that's a big enough task, right? <laughs> to make everything, this is a big task. And Jesus says, it's going to be like a seed. Now, look at our world. We prayed about it at the beginning. Everything in this world is messed up. Can I have a witness? Do you agree with that? <laughs> Everything is affected by sin in this world. And so, but God says it's not going to stay that way. I'm going to do something. 
how is God going to do this? Well, Jesus says over and over again that the way God is going to accomplish his work is going to be so much different from the way we usually think about changing things in our world. And the foundational principle of all of his stories is this. In the operation of the kingdom of God in this world is that the kingdom of God comes not like a bomb, but like a seed. So I'm telling you, when we think about wanting to change some things that are wrong in our world, usually powerful leaders in our world think it has to happen by strength, sometimes by force, sometimes even by coercion. Uh, you know this is true. Um, uh, as an illustration, sometimes in a business, when one business is just falling apart and another one takes it over in a, in a takeover bid, what so often happens is it's like a bomb coming in. Uh, they come in and say, well, you've messed things up. So we're going to get rid of all those people who were here before. We're going to change the brand. We're going to move the, the main operating uh, headquarters. You know that this happens. Some of you are already nodding. You've experienced that sort of thing. And Jesus says, no, well, I'm going to bring about change, but it's going to be in a very different way. Because bomb, I have a picture of a bomb here for you to see. When a bomb comes into the land, it does change things, right? I mean, the land's not going to be the same after a bomb just explodes in it. You can see that. And Jesus says, the way that I want to change things is different. It's going to be more like a seed. I was telling my son Brandon about this this week, and he said, people have to see this a bit. And he told me about these time-lapse sort of things that show how seeds grow. So I have one of them here that I'll show to us. So if, if we can show that video, I'll, I'll appreciate it. You watch that. You see the roots. This is going to be very important today. The roots begin to go down. You see how, and it doesn't happen this fast, in case you wonder. <laughs> uh, then <laughs> begins to be the beautiful, the beautiful flowers, the plants, whatever it is that God would have to grow. You can see that that begins to happen. The thing that I didn't, wasn't able to show you here is how plants are so often able to multiply themselves so that what begins just with them can spread out and make a difference in the entire field, in the entire area. See, this is the picture I want you to have in mind about the way that God works in our lives and is, is going to work in our world. So I, I thought, what's the difference between a bomb changing the land and a seed changing the land? I jotted these things down. So the bomb changes the ground externally, but the seed comes in and changes things internally. Uh, the bomb comes in and does its work suddenly and forcefully. The seed comes in and works slowly and organically. The bomb comes and breaks the land. The seed comes and transforms the land into a garden, into a forest. The bomb comes and destroys what was there. The seed actually draws upon the nutrients already that is there in the soil and channels those things into life-giving processes. Now, one of the most important things when you read any of the seed stories that Jesus tells is that there is life-giving power in a seed. You know this. If, no matter how powerful the bomb is, if you simply plant the bomb in the ground, no matter how much fertilizer you put on that thing, no matter how much water you put on that thing, it's not going to come to life. But in the smallest seed, there is the power to become what it was meant to be, a flower, a vegetable-bearing plant, even a fruit 
bearing tree. See, see what Jesus is trying to get at it is this, just things, doing things by force that does bring about a change, but it never really lasts. The kind of change that Jesus wants to bring about in you and me and in the world that he loves is something that becomes organic and that actually changes. You know this is true. I, I've just thought about it in my own lifetime. When, when I saw what uh, the Soviet Union tried to, to do and, and through just force and power, bringing all those nations of the Soviet Union under totalitarian communism and trying to change behavior. And they were able to, it seemed like, change things for a while. But the moment that that force was taken off of the top, the tribal wars and barriers and, and racism all just came right out again. Because real change has to happen from the inside and out. This is the way that Jesus says that God changes your life and mine. It's like a seed. It is slow, but eventually it is going to make an enormous difference. Do you believe it when, when Jesus says that he can change the world in this way? Not too enthusiastic, <laughs> are you here? I'll tell you, that's the way most people feel. Whenever things are wrong in our world, we think it's still got to be done by force. It can't be done the way that Jesus says it is. And we try to find who has the most power. Let's make sure that they use their voice to get what we want them to do, get that thing done. And that's not altogether wrong, but I'm telling you, that is not the organic way that Jesus says we are supposed to change things in this world. Even John the Baptist uh, in the Bible uh, found it hard to believe that God was really going to change the world through this, this slow, organic way of planting the seeds of the gospel and having God work in us. So that when you come back just two chapters before the Matthew 13 text that Kelly read for us, uh, John the Baptist was in prison. The Herods had put him in prison. And um, so things weren't changing as fast as he thought they were going to change. And he sent a messenger to Jesus. You may know this story. You can read about it in Matthew 11. And he said, go and ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah who was supposed to come and change the world? And I, I can almost see what John is saying. Oh, I know that I said you were the Messiah a long time ago. One of the first times I saw you, I said, well, this one, this is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. But now as I'm watching this thing, it doesn't seem like anything's really happening. Why do we have this awful political person on top of us? Why do we continue to have so much corruption in our own neighborhoods? And mostly, why am I about to get my head cut off, <laughs> you know, sitting there in a prison? And so, do you know what Jesus said to the messenger? Go back and tell John that the blind are beginning to receive sight. The lame are beginning to walk. The good news is beginning to come to those who are poor. In other words, he wanted him to know that kind of like watching those seeds happening, evidences of the life of God are breaking into the world. So how is God actually going to take our lives and our church and our world and take us from where we are to where he promises we will be? Jesus says it works not like a bomb, it works like a seed. Uh, I, I told you, um, I, don't, I don't know if I can communicate this message in ways that what God has said to me has just shaped my whole way of walking with God, but, but I'll tell you, here's one of the ways it has. When I read this and I think about it, 
I know what I have to do each day when I follow Jesus. I, I must take time to let the seed of the good news of God, the seed of the word of God, come deep into my mind and into my heart and into my life and continue to do his work in me so that I'll more and more think like Jesus thinks and, and begin to, to live and speak the way that he would have me to do. And I know what my role is as a pastor. My, my main role every time we gather is I've, I've got to open this word to you and let the seed of the word of God simply come and be thrown out among us and pray that you will receive it and let God do his transforming work in your life. So that brings me to this next question. How, how does God's life-transforming seed actually come into us? And I want to show you a verse in, in several of the seed stories that he tells, one in Mark chapter 4, and especially verses 23 and 24, the other in, in Luke chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, Jesus gives this very insightful instruction. He says, God's kingdom comes by hearing, so consider carefully how you hear. Some, some of you remember the old 17th century version, the King James Version. I like it even better. God's kingdom comes into your life by hearing, so take heed how you hear. What Jesus says is the primary skill that we need to have if we're going to let God do his transformative, ongoing transformative work in our lives is we have to become good listeners. We have to listen well. When God's word goes, we have to listen deep. We have to listen saying, Lord, I need to understand. We have to listen ready to respond to whatever our father says. He says that's the primary skill of, that you must develop if you're going to have God's kingdom change you from inside to out. I'll tell you, most of us aren't very good listeners, are, are we? It, it takes humility to be a good listener. Do you know what I mean when I say that? It takes the humility that, that I turn to anybody else who's speaking to me and, and I have to say, I don't know everything. I, I need to listen to what you have to say to me. It takes humility even to come to God and to say, God, I, I don't seem to know much of anything. Just living my life the way that I want to live it, it keeps taking me in a way away from you and the way that I know you would have me to be. Father, I need to hear a word from you. I tell you, I, I hope that when uh, you, you take time every morning to open this word, that it will be with a little bit of fear and trembling because this is God's word that is meant to change your life, that you'll come and say, I need to hear it. Father, what would you have to say to me? Um, I, I pray even when you come to church that you recognize that it's a rather dangerous thing to have this word opened because this is the word of the Lord that he really asks us to hear, to let it go deep, and to have it change us. Uh, Tim Keller put it this way, leaders on the earth, whether in politics or business or any other realm, build their kingdoms by getting a hearing the kingdom of God comes into our lives by giving a hearing. I, I honestly think that even many of us as churchgoers don't think that that is one of the most basic parts of how the power of God works its way into our lives and into our world. We keep thinking we've got to do it the world's way. But, but Jesus says specifically in, in Matthew 13, if you look at verse 19, that the, that the seed of the kingdom is the word of God. 
And, and when, what he's doing when he says that is he's drawing upon this long Jewish teaching that God creates and makes things through, through words, through speaking. Genesis 1, how did God create everything that came into the world? He spoke, and the world was created. And, and what Jesus is saying here is through this word, when it speaks to you and you receive it, you and I can be recreated. Things can actually change. There is hope for us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Now, now it starts. I began my message by saying that Jesus did not only come to forgive us of our sins, but I'll tell you, that's where it starts. The thing that keeps us from being alive to God is that we walked away from Him, and we need that to be cleansed. So, so the beginning of growing to become what God would have you to be is when you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you come to him and just acknowledge so humbly, Lord, I have fallen short. I have sinned. I bring my sins to you. I confess them to you. I turn from them. And I receive Jesus into my life as my personal Savior. Have you received him that way? Have you made that commitment to turn from your sins and give your life to him to make Jesus the Savior and the Lord of your life? See, everything that Jesus talked about with these seed parables can't happen until you're alive. Dead things can't grow. You've got to come alive to God. That's what Jesus is talking about. Believe in me, you'll get to be born in a new way. And, and so I have to deliver to you a word. Have you received Jesus as your Savior? If not, I want you to receive him now. Stop listening to me and just turn to God and say, it is time for me to say yes and to believe. Hear this word from God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's where it begins. But now how does the seed grow in you? Uh, Beginning by placing your faith in Jesus is the start, but it's not the end. Uh, Jesus points out, text Kelly read, the very end of it, uh, verse 23, that what's going to happen in us when the seed comes in and we receive Jesus is eventually we'll even be able to be people who produce fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold. Did you notice that? So here's a principle that I've been thinking about, and I'll pass on to you. So the power of God enters your life when you believe the gospel of Jesus. That, that's when you come alive to God. That's where it starts. But I think the key, it's not the only way, but the key to growth in Christ also is hearing and receiving the word of the gospel as it's found in Scripture. It's why I encourage you each morning to begin by looking at this word and why I encourage you when you come to be ready to hear this word. And I think that what happens as we hear it and receive it and have it go deep in us, it begins to produce this fruit of God. It draws us closer to Him and closer to one another. And this gospel, when that becomes the center of what guides our thinking, as Paul would say to Timothy, when everything in this world is trying to even rip you apart as Christians, it will, it will make a straight path that's the word that he used, so that we're able to bring glory to God and live for him in the midst of a world where almost nobody wants to live for God. Now, what does this look like? Well, I'll, I'll give you a couple of things. 
Uh, Jesus made it very, very clear that one of the first evidences of the kingdom of God is that very diverse people, when they come to Jesus, actually begin loving one another <laughs> simply because that seed that comes in uh, when we receive Jesus produces a love for people like the love of Jesus for people. Therefore, in a church like ours, when God's seed is growing in us, the outcome should be, it should be, that we should love one another in our church more and more and more in such a way that whatever kind of divisions happen out here in our world, they should be able to look at a church and say, ah, oh, God must be in that place because they love one another. Do you know who talked about this? Uh, who said, this is the way people are going to know that you are followers of Jesus? Jesus did. John chapter 13. It's by your love for one another. His final prayer is, this is the way the world's going to know that the Father sent me as the Son, and that is the unity and love of God's people for one another. But uh, because God isn't done with us yet, and you and I are still a piece of work, uh, we still have times when it's hard for us to love one another. Can anybody agree with me there? You don't have to tell me in case you're sitting next to that person that you're finding hard, hard to love. Um, and yet the gospel should be able to help us to work through all of those differences and deepen our love for one another and walk in unity. And one of the best places to see that is in the, in the book of Galatians. Um, in Gala the churches in Galatia, you had three groups of people. They were having a hard time getting along with one another. You had the uh, conservative Jewish Christians who were there. They, they wanted to continue to live the way that they always had, all the same rules as they had before. Then you had the progressive Jewish Christians who said, no, Jesus has changed things and, and we're going to live in a different way. And you had the Gentile Christians. What, what, what they're doing, the progressive Jewish Christians, this is my label, not the one who, but the progressive Jewish Christians were, were eating meals with Gentiles Christians because they were their brothers and sisters. The conservative Jewish Christian says, that's never the way we were to do it. We were always told never to have meals with people like that. Oh, yes, I know that they're in the family of God because they have the Holy Spirit like we do. That happened in Acts chapter 11. You can read all about that sort of thing. But we're not going to be eating meals with him. And this was ripping the church apart. Even Peter and Paul were fighting over this thing. So, so Paul did what we would expect Paul to do. He confronted Peter. And, and, and what he didn't say is this. Peter... You can't do this anymore because Jesus gave us a new set of rules. And they are, they're rules against this kind of racism. No, this is what he said. I'm going to put the verse up here just so you can see it. Peter, you are not acting in keeping with the truth of the gospel. See, so when you understand the heart of the good news of Jesus, then that's got to change the way you live. When that seed grows in you, you can't do that anymore. And what he pointed out was, listen, we are all, all three of these groups, we, we are sinners dead in our sins apart from Jesus. Now we are in the family of God, forgiven with a new life, not because of our heritage, our family heritage, not because of our bloodline, but only by grace through faith in Jesus. Anybody agree with that? That's how we're in the family of God. So... 
Paul said. Let's think about the implications of that. And then you look at Galatians 3.28. Now that we are in Christ, in our standing before our one Father, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. In our standing before God, this division, male or female, black or blue, whatever division can rip us apart, it is just over. So as I look at it, the gospel, when we come together as a church, there are, just like back then, there are going to be all sorts of things that happen, and I am just sure in this year, with all the differences in our political world and the, the polarization that I see and that I've watched in our political conventions of the past several weeks, we'll come into church and the things that rip the world apart could rip us apart. What is going to make it possible for us to glorify God? Isn't it that we will receive the gospel, be united in the gospel, and therefore out of love be able to talk about these things and demonstrate the unity of God by the way that we who are very different actually come together because of the power of the kingdom of God that is at work within us. Because I'll tell you, the one thing that is not an option for us is if we're in the family of God, we have to be together. I'm God's child and you are too. And that's what Paul was saying. Division is not an option. The option is coming back together through the truth of the gospel and through the power of the gospel. Uh, so I was thinking about this this week, and as I often do, I was, you know, I, I kind of, uh, right, my office is right above the student ministries and children's ministries office, and, and I'm kind of an extrovert, and, and I needed some energy, so I walked down the stairs, and I saw our interns, mostly college-age students down, and so I walked in and talked with them, and I interfered with what they were doing. They were having a discussion, um, and I threw some of these ideas out. And interestingly, the book that they were discussing is, is one, I I'll show it to you here. We won't have it available to you, but uh, it will be next week. But it's Christina Cleveland's, look at the title, Disunity in Christ. <laughs> Uncovering the hidden forces that keep us apart. So, uh, Pastor Mark Fields, our high school pastor, had given me one of these. I haven't read it yet. Uh, so I turned to them and said, do you think I should read that book? And then I, uh, then I said, well, well, let me put it this way. Do you think I should tell your parents and grandparents in church on Sunday that they should read this book? And, and here's what they said to me. It was so insightful. Uh, they said, yes, but you've got to tell them that each Christian who reads this book, when you read it, you've got to find another Christian in the church that you disagree with so that you can use this book to help you come back together. Otherwise, they say it kind of just stays up in your head. Uh, so I'll encourage you to do that. I, I haven't read this enough, so you might come and say, why did you ask us to read that book? Well, I'll, maybe I'll say the same thing next week. But, it, but if we'll do it that way, then in this, this coming election year, those things that might divide us, that sometimes maybe we just come to church and we just won't talk about it, that instead of doing that, we're going to say we can talk about those differences and still with our commitment to Jesus and the gospel, having been brought together by the blood of Jesus, we're going to show this world a way that we can walk through all of these things because of our faith in him and our deep desire to glorify him. Do, do we have an overly idealistic senior pastor here thinking that that's possible in our world? 
Do you think God can actually do this among us? One of the other, oh, our time goes too quickly. Uh, I'll just have to skip this section. I, I wanted to talk. I'll bring it up in, I have two more seed messages. So this other point, I'll bring up in one of the next two messages. What we have to do, though, is become what I think I want to call a gospel-shaped, a gospel-directed church. Uh, if people who are as divided as, as Jew and Gentile in the first century could come together and hold together because of them receiving the gospel and being committed to it, it can happen in our church as well. But the real question that comes up is being willing and able to receive the word that comes from God. And the way that Jesus puts, us in this first, puts it in this first seed parable is makes us ask what kind of soil we are. So that's found in verses 3 through 9 and then explained by Jesus in verses 18 through 23. So it's the best known of these seed parables. It, it sort of starts this way. Um, Jesus said there's a farmer who goes out into the world and he throws seed out. Uh, and some of it hits on the path, the hard places. Some of it goes into this, this real rocky, shallow, soiled sort of land. Some of it goes right into the thorns and to the weeds. And only some of it goes into good soil. I remember one of the first times I ever preached about this. This was when I was really a young pastor up in Arroyo Grande. We had a number of farmers. And I remember one of the farmers coming through the door where I would always stand and say, what kind of a farmer is that? I mean, just going out throwing seed, valuable seed everywhere. Who, who throws seed out into the thorns and the weeds and the rocks? And the way that Jesus puts it is God does. Which really drives home a point of how much God loves us and loves this world. Even though our lives are thorn-infested and awfully, off, awfully uh, rocky at times, he's still going to throw some good news toward us and see if we can receive it. So, so God loves you and wants you to receive this, and he loves the world and wants them to receive it too. So what kind of soil are you? So here are the tests. Seed number one. Are you a hard-hearted soil? Verse 19, you know, that's the one where the path is so hard and the seeds didn't get into the soil. You can read about it. And so it was just sitting there on the top of the, the hard path and the enemies, the birds at that point, comes and just picks it up. And, and the word that Jesus uses is they didn't understand. And, and that's our English translation, but it really has, there was an intellectual reason why they didn't want to receive what God had to say. And what I think is sometimes... We come in about any possible issue that God's Word might want to speak to us about. We might already come and say, I already know what I think about that. I don't care, even if it's God's Word that says it. I'm not going to listen to that because I already know what I think about that. It's um, a hard heart, but it really is a hard head, don't you think? The Pharisees were often like that. Not all of them, but some of them were like that. We already know everything about the truth of God and all of that. Who is he to talk to us about this? Do you think we might have sometimes problems with that? Oh, Lord, save us from being hard-hearted, hard-headed people. When the word comes, let us receive it. Or, or maybe, verses 20, 21, Jesus says, maybe you're a shallow heart. There, there the, the seeds went in. But it couldn't go in deep enough because of the rocks actually to take root. Oh, he says, at first, you can see this, because at first, often, the one who's like this has great excitement. You come to church, 
man, that was fantastic. I love that song that was sung. And, oh, the, God spoke to me at this thing. Excitement. Now I want to uh, serve in every place in the whole church. And, and then two weeks from now, you don't even know where that person is anymore. It happened in Jesus' day all the time. They would see his miracles. Uh, and then... Um, a week or two later, wasn't, when he wasn't doing the miracles they wanted to see, they weren't even there anymore. They were always amazed. Amazed but never changed. Now, this is the person who so many times comes to church and, and wants to be blessed, uh, but doesn't want to be saved. You know, wants to be entertained, but doesn't want to be changed. Uh-oh. See, when Jesus comes into our lives, he's going to remake us into his image. That means change. Well, there must be a better soil there, pastor, you say. Well, the third soil in verse 22 is this divided heart. The seeds go in at the very same level as the weeds and thorns. Now, listen, if you're not listening, listen. this is the most dangerous one for us as churchgoers. Uh, Jesus says it comes in, and it looks like the real thing. goes in, But there are other things that are growing there right alongside of it, weeds and thorns. And, and, and what happens, they eventually choke it out. So in this description, I think it's true of many of us as, as churchgoers that we're willing to receive Jesus, but it's going to be Jesus alongside of all these other things that we really want. Jesus and our business, a, a successful one. Uh, Jesus and he's got to keep giving me good health. Jesus and the pleasures that I want to have. And even if Jesus calls those things away from us, we want to hold on to them because really what this is is a first commandment problem. We're putting other things in our lives into the place of Jesus. The, the reason why this is so dangerous for us is we often can be this soil and look like a real Christian, but inside, God is not God in our lives at all. See, Jesus is the one through whom the whole world is made, and when we receive him into our lives... He has, to take, he has to take control. And one way you can know whether you're that kind of soil is if you lose any of those things that you so much want, you are usually just miserable. Because really, that's what you were living for. That was the real idol, the real God of your life. And I'll tell you, nothing is more, no person is more miserable than a professing Christian who is unhappy because I'm not getting all the stuff that I want God to give me. Maybe I need to go to another church. Maybe I'll get it if I go there. And all those things happen. Always restless, never resting in Jesus. What kind of soil do I pray that I will be and that you will be? It's that receptive heart where we're always wanting the Word to come in. It goes deep and it begins to produce in us. You, you really can't see it in our English translations very well, but the tense changes... All right, English teachers, tell the person next to you what I mean by that. The other one was just one time the seed comes and it's taken away, but in this one, it has an ongoing receiving of the Word of God. The receptive soil. You come to church, and you're really wanting this Word to be open because you need to hear a Word from God. And over and over again, day by day, Sunday by Sunday, you come and you receive the Word of the kingdom, and you take it and let it go in deep, and it begins to shape the way that you think about people, Shape the way you think about the world, and more and more you begin to see the way Jesus sees. This is what I pray is happening in my life. I told you at the beginning how these seed stories have been so central in my own walk with the Lord. 
And I pray that they will be in yours as well. If that's the kind of soil you are, you are going to come longing to hear a word from God again and again and again. And Jesus promises you'll begin to be productive. 30, 60, 100-fold, your life will make a difference. How do we let it go deep? How, how does this word take us from where we are with all the messes that are still there and sometimes still addictions that you even bring in with you to church? How, how do we get set free and begin more and more to become? Jesus says it's like a seed. It's like a seed. So I want to make sure this morning, before we come to the next two stories, that you are open to whatever God wants to say to you. I'll put this passage back up. God's kingdom comes like a seed. So when God's word is opened, take heed how you listen. Is God saying anything to you right now? Is there a sin in your life that you know you need to confess and turn from? Is there a decision right now that you know God would have you to make? Someone that you should speak to about Jesus. Someone who is hurting and you have some resources that you should go and bring practically some of the love of Christ. Maybe even someone in the church that you so much disagree with that person that you don't even want to talk with them. And you hear God saying, you're going to be in my family for eternity. Heaven's not going to be very heavenly until you start coming back together. Why don't you start right now? Is God saying anything to you today? And if things are going slowly in your life, don't give up. Because God never gives up on you. If you look at your family and saying, why is God's work happening so slowly in my marriage, in my family, and, and in the world around, don't give up. Because Jesus said, the kingdom of God comes like a seed. He promises he will make beautiful things, even out of dust. He will make beautiful things out of you and out of Lake Avenue Church until our lives bring glory to his name. May it be. May it be. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, I, I pray I've been faithful to your word. In any place where I have, take that word, work it deep into each of our hearts. Continue to change us through the presence of your spirit, the hearing of your word, that things will happen in us and among us that the world will see. And in seeing us, see that you are the one who rules in this place. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.